We are back. We're back. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about Twilight, and this week, we're talking about The Favorite. Um, <laughs> only place you can get this kind of content, people. You yes, better subscribe. This is the only podcast where one week we will talk about vampires versus werewolves, and then next week, we will talk about Academy Award potential nominee, uh, The Favorite. <laughs> Yep. Welcome to Cinema Rolls. Uh, Welcome to Cinema Rolls. I'm Sarah. That's Sarah. <laughs> We're both Sarahs. Uh, so we have um, the other Sarah uh, that is in this movie, The Favorite, which we are going to be talking about today. Yeah. Uh, we've both seen it. We have. So exciting. Okay. So we've been talking about this movie. <laughs> Every podcast. We've been talking about this movie for every single podcast. It took us four episodes to get here, but we're finally here. Um, You had a very different theater experience than I did. I don't know if you should talk about your theater experiences, plural, first, or if I should talk about mine. Like, do we want to start or end on a bad note? Oh, go ahead and talk about (laughs) yours, because I'm sure it's short and simple. It is so short and simple. So I canceled MoviePass, um, like, about a month ago, and when I did, um, it was because it just wasn't of any use to me anymore, and I would just, the one th- the one theater in all of Indiana that it works for, I would rather just pay by movie yeah. than constantly deal with MoviePass, because it literally would only make sense for one theater. Um, but... It was one of those things where I canceled it, but I still had paid for that billing cycle. Um, mm. And so I, w- I thought I'll just keep using this until it is Runs no out, longer yeah. of any use to me. And so I had one movie left on it. And so I w- obviously decided to watch The Favorite mm-hmm. with it. Um, and so I called up my friend Abigail um, to go and watch this movie. And... We walk in a bit late because it's terrible finding parking here. And we walk in and, you know, I hand the guy my movie pass um, code for him to scan and he mm-hmm. gives me the ticket. And then Abigail's like, I would also like a ticket to the same thing. And he just goes, oh, great. And hands her a ticket that was sitting on like the, the counter. And she just, we just look at him. And he's just looking at us, and she goes, okay. And then she pulls out her wallet and mm-hmm. starts handing him her card, and he goes, no, no. <laughs> she goes, what? <laughs> he goes, no, no, no. Just, just don't ask. And she just looked at him, and he just looked at her. <laughs> and I said, and I, of course, in this moment, I'm like, I just need to know what's happening. So I go, so was she paying or not? <laughs> like... Um, he just goes, just don't ask questions. Just, just, just let it, just let it happen. Just let it happen. And we just go, okay. And so we both took our tickets and went into the theater and we were five minutes late into the movie. So I did miss the first five minutes. But other than that, uh, technically neither of us had to pay for our tickets. All right. How about that? So, uh, that was my movie experience. (laughs) Let's discuss yours. Okay. <laughs> y'all, y'all haven't really... I don't think you've really gotten a good Sarah rant yet. It's happening. <laughs> we've, I mean, we've ranted about a couple of things. Just let it happen. Don't ask questions. Just let it happen. Just, just let it happen. Just let it happen. Okay. So, uh, as many of you know, I live in Arkansas currently. Um, flyover state... Whatever, Bill Clinton's from here. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't know what else to say. We have what good other stuff. We have good watermelon, I suppose. American Idol winner Chris Allen. Ah, oh, yes, is from here. Remember him? <laughs> Indeed, uh, Mary Steenburgen, who often plays Will Ferrell's mother, also from here. Okay. Anyway, That's so it. <laughs> we don't get a lot of prestige film. We don't. It doesn't happen. There's a lot of movies. Um, I remember specifically, I wanted to see Thoroughbred so bad because Sarah had raved about it. And um, to the point where I thought about driving uh, from my college town to Memphis, Tennessee, (laughs) to see it. And my mother was like, please don't do that. You're going to get shot. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> the links you have to go to. Links I have to go to. Seriously, to see these movies. Um, so, The Favorite was only showing in one theater in Arkansas. And it is called The Riverdale. Huh. <laughs> Love a Riverdale. <laughs> Love a Riverdale. It preceded the show, so everybody just calm down. Great. <laughs> um, so, I don't like The Riverdale. It's crusty. It, um, they recently... <laughs> what a great way to describe it is, the place. It is crusty. They recently crusty. remodeled it, but they only put, like, recliners in. That's the only remodel. So, like, everything else is the same. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I'll just do the experience now. Now that y'all have the setting. Um, so, I walk into the Riverdale. I never go see movies here. And I walk into the Riverdale, and I'm like, can I get a ticket for the favorite at 2 o'clock? It's the first showtime they're showing it. And they say, well, actually, um, the film company called us, and we can't show that movie till 4.30. That does not make any sense. And I said, but why? I said, what do you, what do you mean? Why? It was on the side. Like, like, I hate to be rude to service people, but, like, I was, I, I was like, why? I just want an explanation. I drove 45 minutes to get here. Because right. that's where the closest theater to me is, by right. the way. 45 minutes. And um, I said... Why can't you show it? And they said, we're just not. We're not showing it until 4.30. And I'm like. But they advertise. Yeah. But they had it on the site that it was at 2 o'clock. Right. So I'm irritated. I'm like, well, dang it. I look down the hall. There's just one hall. Theater. The one hall. The one hall. And the first theater is showing Boy Erased. I haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. They also have a big poster for the movie. Right in front of. Right. And I'm like, well, give me a ticket for the two o'clock boy erased. Whatever. I'm like irritated. And then I, I figure, you know, I came at two o'clock so that I could get a matinee price. No matinee prices here. The, it's $10. Oh, of course. And I'm like, Sigh. so I just paid $10 to see a movie I didn't want to see. I'm contemplating doing something not very nice, which is watching boy erased until it's time to see the favorite and then just walking into the movie. Because I didn't come to see this movie. I'm, I'm mad. So, whatever. I get in there. There's, like, a lot of um, elderly people because it is 2 o'clock on, like, a Monday. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Right. Um, this, the, these, all these ladies come to sit by me, which is, mm-hmm. I don't like being sat by either, but whatever. Right. <laughs> I, like, had to move the right. seat that I had for my popcorn. Oh, no. There was a lady that came in and said, hello, this is my service dog. And he had all the service dog gear, but then he was, like, barking during the movie. Ah. So I was like, so. What is. That's not a service dog. What is happening? Just so we're clear, service dogs are trained not to bark. (laughs) And she wasn't in danger or anything. And I was like, 
Okay. So, movie starts, and uh, I hate every second and of it. And it's boy erased. It's boy erased. Hated every second of it. Probably worst movie experience just for the movie that I've had in years. Um, awful Joel Edgerton, stick to acting, bud. You can't direct. Um, it, ha- it had no idea what it was saying about gay conversion therapy. It, it didn't even, I don't even think it had the guts to say gay conversion therapy bad. Okay. That's beside the point. So, I, um, and I'm watching this movie, and they're doing the gay conversion therapy thing, and some of it is, like, a little ridiculous, yes, but there are people laughing. I'm like, this is not funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know why y'all are laughing. And so, like, I'm just sitting there really getting more and more irritated by the second. And then, uh, spoiler alert for Boy Erased, if you haven't seen it, there's a graphic, graphic rape scene. Graphic. You hear everything. You see everything. It's horrible. I didn't know that was in there. And I immediately just am like, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is traumatic. Like, horrible. And so I have never done this in my life. I left the theater. Okay. I was like, I can't do this. Uh, this movie's not good enough to justify what it just put me through. It's giving me an anxiety attack. Um, I, I'm leaving. So I walk out thinking, you know, it's only like an hour into the movie. I'm, I'm like, or maybe not even an hour, probably 45 minutes. It felt like two hours. And mm-hmm. um, I'm like, maybe I can get my money back. Maybe I can say, you know, there's a graphic sexual assault scene that I didn't know was in there. Um, can I please have the money back for my ticket since I'm not actually watching the movie? Mm-hmm. There's nobody in the lobby. Nobody. I could have crawled over the counter and gotten a jumbo popcorn and then gone back to my seat in a different theater. Nobody would have cared. There's nobody in the lobby. So I just leave. I literally just get in my car and go home. Mm -hmm. So to be clear, my first experience of trying to see this movie, I got there, couldn't see the movie I wanted to see because they didn't have the showtime they advertised, went to see a different movie, left before the movie was over, couldn't get my money back. And drove home. Yep. So, then, after like two weeks, I like really had to wait. I didn't want to go back to this theater alone because that was a really horrible experience. And so, I'm like, Isaac, will you please take me to see this movie at the Riverdale? Mm -hmm. He's like, okay. So, we get there. We're a little late because we had planned to go to a later showtime. And then I was like, nah, I don't want to be in Little Rock until like you know, seven o'clock. So I'm like, let's, let's go to the two o'clock again. (laughs) So we show up Mm -hmm. and there's a little kid in front of us and his mom and they are, there's only one person working a register and they're taking their sweet time and Mm -hmm. bless their hearts. I mean, the kid was so excited. And I said, what movie are you seeing? And he said, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And I said, it's Uh really, really good. You're gonna love it. Yeah. And um, he was such a cute kid. Anyway, so we're, we're already late. I'm like, we're going to miss the first couple minutes of the movie. Come on, come on, come on. Um, oh, forgot a thing. When I went to see Boy Erased, the only trailer was for The Favorite. <laughs> so I figure The Favorite's uh-huh. not going to have a lot of trailers. So I'm like, crap, we're late. And um, so I get up there and I'm like, two for The Favorite, please. He lets us pick out our seats and everything. And Isaac pulls out his card to pay. And he goes, um... Cash only. No. And I said, it's 2018. 
No. And he said, sorry, cash only. He didn't even say, like, I'm so sorry. Our system is down. He just said, cash only. They had no, like, signs or anything, like, warning people. No. I literally, I threw my hands in the air and said, I guess we're not seeing it then. And we left. Again. And I'm like, Sarah, we got to change the podcast for this week. Yeah. I'm like, Sarah, we got to change the podcast for this week. We can't, I can't see the favorite. Uh So finally, thank you, God. When it goes into wide release, my favorite theater starts carrying the favorite. I saw it last night. It was amazing. A great experience for all. Right, so you finally saw it, but it took you, you know, all these tries to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really horrible. I'm so sorry, dude. It's fine. I mean, like, that's such a first world problem, whatever. No, it is. But, but like, it's such a beautiful and, like, important movie. And, I mean, obviously studios, you know, have release plans, you know, mm-hmm. and there are certain cities that it just makes sense to, you know, release in, like, L.A., New York first and then to go a little bit wider and then right. to go a little bit wider. Um, Let the hype build. Movies like, yeah, with movies like this, um... But then you have, you know, the second Bumblebee comes out, it's out everywhere. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, and it's definitely like an industry thing and it's definitely like a big money studio thing. And I get it. You know, The Favorite's not a four quadrant movie. It's not. Right. There are a ton of people who not only don't want to see The Favorite, shouldn't. (laughs) That's true. But that's the thing, that's the frustrating thing though. It's like, and it's not like, you know, every single theater in Indiana had The Favorite, you know, when it was released, a, like, a, a, I think a week after its mm-hmm. L.A. New York premiere here. Um, but you could depend on the one theater that did have it, mm-hmm. you know? I think if you are the if you know you're the only theater in the state that's going to be showing the movie, you should uh, show it well, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I'll never just, go back to yeah. that theater. They suck. Yeah, and that's, like, I think a bigger discussion on, like, just theaters and, like, you know, they're happy places. They're happy places. They're safe spaces. Right. Um, and they should be a fun time. So when I show up to see I'm a movie and then that. I see a terrible one and leave halfway through, it just, it sucks. Yeah. But I'm sorry about that. I'm also really sorry. Like, I understand that, like, what you saw of Boy Erased was very traumatizing and very awful, but I- I'm really sorry that, like, the space that you were in didn't make you feel safe enough to stick through the rest of the movie because it did get better. Right. Um, Cause I did, I did, I didn't love the movie, but I did. It's not enjoy is a weird word. For yeah. That movie. I did not enjoy it. Um, I felt that movie and I understood that movie because I sat all the way through it. Right. Um, because I agree that first act of the movie, you're just kind of thrown into this crazy experience and you're expected to be on board. Yeah. Um, and if you're not in a theater space that makes you feel safe, you want to get out of there, which is what you did. And good for you. You should have gotten out of there because you didn't feel safe in there. And I think the audience sounds like they were not supposed to be in there either. Maybe they didn't get um, it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like they did. So, so yeah. Um but you saw the favorite. I did see the favorite. Finally. You saw the favorite, and now we can talk about the favorite, and you'll never have to go through this when you move to LA. And that's the tea. You'll you'll see movies before I do. I I'm can't wait. Beyond excited. Can't wait. Um, so let's talk about the favorite now that yes. we've both seen it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so do you would you like to just discuss like specs of this movie and do your thing? Yeah, so basically, um, this is a film starring Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz and Olivia Coleman. Hold on, hold on. Rachel Weisz. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Rachel Vice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Rachel Vice like the movie. I was about to say Rachel, <laughs> new film starring Adam McKay about Dick Cheney. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Emma Stone, Rachel Vice, Olivia Coleman, Nicholas Holt, Joe Alwyn. Um, Are and, we missing anyone? No, in this that, gigantic I think, cast. I think that's it. Uh, that's yeah. that's the main players. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a there's a woman who is played by Rachel Vice, Sarah, um, and Sarah has. Uh, ingratiated herself to the queen um both sexually and politically to the point where she is pretty much running the country um yes and then emma stone's character um abigail comes along and abigail is um she is just like please give me any work she's sarah's cousin she's She's like She's like, please just give me any kind of work. But she is a little more devious than that. And she starts to work her way into the queen's ranks, work her way into the, um, what's the word? The... This movie is about two women who are competing to be the queen's favorite. Yes. That's yeah. the basics. That's, yeah. The the favorite. The favorite. With the extra, with the extra letter, Daniel Webster said, "Y'all suck, British." Yeah, basically, I can't believe that our entire um, dictionary was decided by one man. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So this is about people who actually lived. These are about actual human beings. Um, Queen Anne, I believe, was the first monarch of this new thing called Great Britain, Mm -hmm. Um, and. This, these are actual humans. Um, Rachel Weiss's character, Sarah Churchill, is an ancestor of actual Winston Churchill and Princess Diana. Um, these, he, I, as Emma Stone said in an interview, she said, these are real people. Who knows if these were real situations? <laughs> <laughs> we, and so um, Queen Anne is played by Olivia Coleman. Um, she did an incredible job in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, her performance was great. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but yeah, this is uh, 18th century Mean Girls. Yes, but yes, scarier because but, it's your ghost so, land the most. Right. So it's take Mean Girls, um, but make it 18th century. Um, make it beautifully filmed. Uh, make it even more quotable mm-hmm. i would dare say oh yeah <laughs> mean girl it, it literally it's it's and before we actually get into breaking down our favorite parts of this movie one of the craziest things to me is that we have i, I could i could not stop thinking about mean girls while i was watching this movie because uh-huh. these themes that were plaguing these women um in the 18th century are also seen in the movie Mean Girls, mm-hmm. <laughs> which um, was produced in the last decade, right? Right. Um, and th- I feel like it just celebrated some sort of birthday, <laughs> Mean Girls did. Right. Um, and then Mean Girls is a movie that people are still watching and still relating to. And if that doesn't tell you anything about the, not just like the human condition, but like the woman condition. Right. <laughs> and like, I don't know what does. Like just two girls... Who are play? Who are sneaky? Who are playing tricks on each other? Who are going um, around each other's backs to get what they want, and who manipulate people to get what they want? Um, 
just so they can be like the queen bee, you know? Yeah. Like it's literally the same theme, um, but just with corsets. <laughs> um, it's it's Mean Girls, but pretty. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk some of the really cool um, aspects of this movie and its history. Um, the script was written in 1998 and was not written yeah. by Yorgos Lanthimos, which mm-hmm. this is the first film he's ever directed that he did not write. Right. Um, which is interesting because it has a very Yorgos Lanthimos tone. He did mm-hmm. um, Killing of the Sacred Deer. He did um, Dogtooth. He uh, he directed The Lobster. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, there are more lobsters in The Favorite than in The Lobster. Oh, good. <laughs> there are no lobsters in The Lobster. This is my first Yorgos film to actually sit through and uh-huh. watch. Um, and I think I, I would like to watch all of his other ones, um, but I am scared. He has this very dark sense of humor that if you looked at it, like, a tinge differently, it's not humor. Like, it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually had the lobster sorted into the comedy, um, the, the romantic comedy section on Netflix. No, why? And um, they had this, like, really... Netflix doesn't know what they're up to. They had this, like, really quirky blurb that was, like... Uh-huh. That was, like... In this world, if you don't fall in love, you get turned into an animal. <laughs> Pressure's on. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, who writes those blurbs? It's like if they, they described the favorite know. and they were like, these two gals both want to be the queen's best. Pressure's <laughs> on. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, um, anyway, but, so Yorgos only films with natural light. He is obsessed mm-hmm. with natural light. Yes. The, the camera work and the lighting in this movie are insane. I, every single shot of this movie, um, I, I couldn't help but think, like, just in my brain, I'm like, wow, what lens is he using? What camera mm-hmm. is he using? Is this film? Like, what's going on? And because it was, you can't get that quality with, like digital yeah you know like and 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 it's just so pretty yes (laughs) close-up shots on people's faces and all of the backlit scenes with like a big old window and the long one takes um yes like the scene where um where rachel vice finds rachel vice where sarah finds um emma stone's character abigail and the queen Mm -hmm. in bed together Mm -hmm. um she looks at them and it's a close-up on her face, and then she just carries her candle back and walks down the hall. Down a little tunnel. For s- little, the little secret hallway. Yeah, for such a long time. Yeah. And just, like, her face is the only thing illuminated. Everything else is black. Yes! And, yes! And what the a beautiful fa- scene! The facial acting she's doing, you're like, I'm oh. scared of this woman. Terrified. Uh, yes! You, I mean, it's the perfect example of, like, you know, show, don't tell. Yes. Where she's walking down this hallway, and you can, just from looking at her face, because, you know, that's the only thing you can look at on yeah. the screen. That is it. <laughs> just her face. Um, but the attention that's brought to her face because of the astounding acting that she's doing, where you can see every emotion on her face and know, oh, man, she's about to come back. And she's going to ruin her life. Yes. <laughs> like, and Yorgos is playing you the whole time. And that's what's so cool. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically in the film, you start with, you're like, I I was team Abigail for the whole film, okay. actually. Um, and 
the, there we go into teams again. Team Abigail or Team Sarah? Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm Team Sarah, but it's... Fine. Obviously, I mean... <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the correct choice. But yeah. <laughs> in the beginning of the film, you're just like, oh, you know, Abigail's just this cute girl. She just needs help. Um, yeah. And then you're like, Sarah's kind of mean. Like, she's mean mm-hmm. to the queen. She tells the queen she looks like a badger. Um, what a great line, by the way. What a great line. You look like a badger. It's awesome. Uh, it makes her cry all the yes. time. And you're just like, she's so mean. And she's manipulating her. And she's doing the whole kingdom for her. Why is she doing that? Like, mm-hmm. Abigail's cute. She just wants to have fun. She really loves the queen. No. Mm-hmm. No. No. Uh, and then the further you get in, the more you realize that Abigail has no idea what she's doing. Um, and she's destroying the monarchy. Yes, and then I think, too, um, that on on your note of the way that Sarah treats the queen, um, at near the end, there's this beautiful scene (laughs) where um, the queen has banished Sarah um, and had her leave the palace, but Sarah tries to come back and talk to her one more time, and they're talking to each other with a locked door between them. And through a tapestry, yeah. Um, Yeah, it... It's, first of all, beautiful, um, because just, just, uh, my heart was just breaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, but Sarah's telling the queen, she's like, no one else is gonna tell you that you look like a badger. Right. She's like, everyone is going to tell you lo- you look great. I'm here to tell you sometimes you don't. And, like, that's love, right? Absolutely. Like, that's, that's love. And, like, um, and you compare that to Abigail telling the queen always exactly what she wants to hear you look so um, stunning your hair is lustrous like yes all this stuff and she clearly doesn't oh my goodness it's just so and it's so sneaky the way that it happens Mm -hmm. um and just like the little things that like the writers put even in the script um there's one moment where the queen is stressing out because she had to give a speech to a room full of men um and later she's freaking out to sarah and she's like I just, I can't do it, and I'm pretty sure one of them called me fat. I heard the word fat. And, and Sarah Sarah's says, like, excuse me, the only person that would dare to say that is me, and I didn't. <laughs> and I just yes. died. It was so good. Oh, my goodness. Um, yes, and you watch scenes, like, I love the scenes where they're shooting. Um yeah. They're they're shooting like it's shooting like literal guns. Yeah, they're shooting <laughs> literal pigeons. guns at pigeons. And um yeah. it's like skeet shooting, if you know what that is. Um <laughs> Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> um it's like so they're like, you know, they're now like throw and then shooting and unwittingly, um Sarah has taught Abigail to be a dead shot. And I think that's so symbolic. And then um yes. They're they're constantly having this very tense dialogue um, when they're shooting. The um, I think is it it's either the first or the second time they shoot together that uh, Sarah threatens her by she shoots directly at her and then she goes, you know sometimes it's hard to remember whether you've loaded the pellet or not. If you oh, haven't loaded goodness. the pellet, it really sounds like the gun fires, but nothing actually happens. Um, isn't that a funny gag? And she's like laying on the ground like I yes. just got shot. <laughs> I, um, as you know, every time, um, I discuss a movie that I saw in the theater, I also evaluate my audience almost as much as I evaluate the actual movie. 
And dang, this was a great audience. They, first of all, the theater was full, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. We walked in five minutes late. It was very hard to find two seats that were empty. Um, so we were those people who were, which by the way, um, hi, my name is Sarah, and I went and saw this movie with my friend Abigail. <laughs> and um, we watched these characters, Sarah and Abigail, duke it out on the screen That's and didn't hilarious. realize, we didn't realize the irony until after the movie. And we looked at each other and went, <gasps> Sarah and Abigail. That's awesome. <laughs> it was great. Um, so Abigail and I were those people who were like, "Excuse me, excuse me, just watch your leg there. I'm so sorry. Excuse me." Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like all bundled up in our like northern like attire and our winter coats. Yes, <laughs> it was a whole a whole thing. Um, but that's how packed our theater was. Everybody wanted to see it, um, and everyone was having a great time. Like yeah. the the pure just laughter that was happening in my theater was so wonderful because they, those actors hit all those comedic lines perfectly. Oh my gosh. Perfect. I thought Nicholas Holt was hysterical at this movie. He was incredible. I've never I enjoyed him. I don't think no. in anything. Mm-hmm. And I was I like, no idea. What? I was like, look at this X-Man up here doing this thing. For real. Look at this dude who played a zombie in love. Yeah, oh, that was a weird movie. That was a weird movie. I was like... <laughs> from, it started from the bottom, and now we're here! I was like, was he born to play this Was he dude? born to wear a wig? <laughs> and to berate Emma Stone for two hours? <laughs> oh my gosh, it was amazing. It's so good. Speaking of surprise performances, Joe Alwyn. Um, now, I don't want to, like classify him as this but he is taylor swift's boyfriend yes and we all know how much i love taylor swift um but when i first came to know of joe allen um i didn't know much about him acting wise yeah um i did watch billy lynn's long halftime walk which uh i did not enjoy (laughs) (laughs) i was bored to tears the entire time um and so that was my first impression of his acting and i thought okay maybe he can do better with a better script mm-hmm. um i then experienced him in boy erased um which as we all know from the beginning of this episode um uh he was a traumatizing character yeah. in that not a fan and so yeah so again i thought his acting was great but i didn't enjoy his character so much that i just didn't know what was happening (laughs) um and apparently he's also in mary queen of scots um haven't seen that yet although i am excited Mm -hmm. um, to see him in yet another period piece (laughs) um he was also in operation finale about nazis uh didn't see that so I was very much looking forward to his performance, especially in a Yorgos film. Like, I didn't know if he could honestly keep up. Yeah. <laughs> because Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, like, they are powerhouse yeah, actresses. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they are great. And especially Joe Alwyn trying to act opposite of Emma Stone. Like, can any man hold up opposite of Emma Stone except for Ryan Gosling? Right. Like, let's be real, <laughs> you know? Um, but he did. He held his own... And there's a scene in the forest where he and uh, he and Abigail are um, wrestling, wrestling and uh, rolling around and hitting each other and smacking each other and tackling each the other. The scene where she's um, like, wait, kiss me first. Or that part where she like goes, she goes, wait, kiss me first. And then she knees him in the balls. Like, yes, I live. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that he um, his performance was in this entire movie, I was very impressed. 
impressed. I was impressed mm-hmm. by him. I was impressed by Nicholas Holt. Um, those were two that I definitely had a little concern about, especially just acting across such powerful women. I was concerned for them the whole movie, like worried for their safety. <laughs> yes. I uh, I wrote this as part of my review on Letterboxd. Um, I was rooting for every single character yeah. in this movie. Like, I was rooting for the opposition, I was rooting for the Queen, and then I was also rooting for Sarah, and I was also rooting for Abigail, and I was also rooting for Joe Alwyn's character, I was rooting for yeah. Nicholas Holt's character. Like, I was rooting for everyone, including the rabbits and the duck. Yes! The fastest <laughs> duck in the city, Horatio! <laughs> I love Horatio! <laughs> He's my favorite, with a U. <laughs> I love that duck and I also love those rabbits and I just wanted everyone to win even though yeah. I knew that would never happen I just wanted everyone to win and I don't know if I've experienced that in a movie in a long time no yeah definitely and it's an interesting thing to do absolutely and what's it kind of caught me by surprise because and a lot of people are gonna hate the ending I can already tell because oh, yeah. it's hilarious the entire movie mm-hmm. the entire movie you're laughing and then, all of a sudden, it has the most depressing ending. Out of nowhere! The most depressing ending. So, um, oh my gosh. So, it's finally, you know, um, Sarah has been defeated. She's about to be arrested for fraud. And mm-hmm. she's like, let's go anywhere else in the country to her husband that she doesn't love. That mm-hmm. you can almost presume she sent to the front lines of the war to be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been defeated. Abigail has won. And the queen understands what she's lost now. She's like, mm-hmm. I messed up. I let this girl. Yeah, I let this girl manipulate yeah. me. She doesn't know anything about the kingdom. The kingdom's going to fall apart because Sarah's not here to do all the work. And um, Emma Stone's just a drunk fool. Mm-hmm. And so as they finish, Emma Stone realizes she has fallen back into this, like, slave-type relationship with the queen, where she's, for the rest of her life, going to have to appease the queen, even though she doesn't love her or care about her, because she's she's mm-hmm. wanted this power. Now you've got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the queen is, like, pulling her hair and, like, kind of hurting her. Yeah. And they overlay the queen's devastated face... Emma Stone's devastated face, and the rabbits, which are a symbol of all these children and this tragedy that the queen has had, where all these, mm-hmm. all her children have died, 17 kids, which is right. so messed and up. they're represented by all these rabbits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, when they overlay those three images on top of each other, you're like, dang. Ugh, I, okay, so that ending, it was super, like, that's the thing, is that he made sure that it breathed. Yeah. Like, he, he did that ending felt like a whole hour oh my <laughs> gosh like I was it felt like I was sitting there watching my heart shatter for yeah. an hour straight um and I didn't realize how emotionally invested I was until the very end right um I thought the whole time I was like oh I'm having a great time I'm rooting for these different characters um this is a fun little mean girls moment yeah um and then at the end I went oh man yeah, all of a sudden, uh, I, everything is ruined. Well, and even further than, oh, I'm emotionally invested, I didn't realize that the person I was rooting for the most was the queen. Yeah. Like, I, uh, which, like I said, the whole time I was definitely rooting for everyone, but it wasn't until the very end that I went, oh, I 
I'm here for the queen and for Queen Anne's happiness and for her well-being. And I am now upset that she has been manipulated. I'm now upset that she's been reduced to, you know, just this sick queen. I am upset that she has lost the love of her life. Like, I'm upset. Yeah. And I'm upset for her. And I really think that this is her story. Absolutely. So Yorgos is such a master of that. And it's funny, there's there's this thing that he does where he kind of makes all his actors talk like they're in a third grade play. Uh, he makes them read the lines right. over and over and over again until they don't mean anything. If you watch The Lobster or any of the performances that Colin Farrell does with Yorgos, they are really like, like they don't talk like normal people. And yeah. he does that to create this surreal reality. Yeah. And it's weird because it's not like that in this movie. Mm-hmm. But he just manipulates you so well. He lulls you into this false sense of security with all these laughs and all these funny lines. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so I want to uh, read some of my favorite quotes from the movie. And you can chime in it. with some of yours, too. Yes. And then we can talk our favorite Emma Stone moments. Yeah. Um, let's go for it. Okay, so um, one of my favorites is... Um, all I know is your carriage awaits and my maid is on her way up with something called a pineapple. I love that line. Because what does that mean? <laughs> Emma Stone says it to um, Rachel Weisz as she's being kicked out of the castle. It's hysterical. It's so great. Okay. Um, I love there's a moment where the queen is just walking down the hallway about to go into her quarters. And she looks at this manservant. Um, and he's just standing there doing his job. And she goes... Did you just look at me? And he's like fumbling and he's like, no. I, mm, uh, and he, then he looks at her and then she goes, how dare you? Yes. <laughs> it's just so great. Uh, and it's one of those things where that sounds absolutely ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, but when you see how Olivia Coleman delivers the craziness of this queen, the yes. absolutely like degenerating health and like mental well-being of this queen – Olivia Coleman is a queen. Dude, Olivia... Out. Like, what? I would say that this performance rivals Tony Collette's in, um, in Hereditary. Mm. Like, I want them... That's a big thing for you to say. Yeah. I want them both to be nominated for Oscars, because they well, both okay. portray madness incredibly. I, I have a question here. Um, I have been seeing that, um, I've been seeing Olivia Coleman in some awards shows or ceremonies being nominated as a supporting actress mm-hmm. and then in others being nominated as a lead actress. And then I've also been seeing Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss being nominated as leads and also in others as supporting. <laughs> What's happening? I don't think what? there is a lead. What's like? But I'm so confused because, like, you would think that because they sub they submit what they would like to be nominated for, right? Or is that just the whole the whole the film as they a whole? Com- they campaign, I think. They campaign because I know, like, for instance, like Roma um, submitted themselves um, as a foreign language film because for some reason at the Golden Globes you can't be nominated both as best foreign language and best picture. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's really funny, Hollywood foreign press. Yep, exactly. Makes no sense to me. Weird choice, but weird flex, but okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just don't know. I'm so confused. I don't know who is a, 
lead and who is supporting and what but what and like i don't care but what does that mean for the oscars i agree does that mean that we will have i would like for for it to be a tie for best um whatever um for emma and rachel and i would like for them to compete and the award (laughs) in the same style as they do in the favorite that would be really funny (laughs) oh imagine imagine the bit um yeah so i'm really interested just to see what happens with the oscars and who's you know nominated where and what that looks like i just i want to i want the bit to happen between emma and rachel i i would love that yeah for the oscar to be our favorite with you oh oh another favorite quote is when uh sarah says to abigail she says if you do not go i will start kicking you and i will not stop oh my goodness (laughs) The delivery, here's a, like, I think that I could hand someone the script to this and they would go, okay, got it. But they still wouldn't fully understand, like, the magnitude of this movie because of, one, how these actors deliver these hilarious lines. Um, Like, who who can deliver the line, you look like a badger, like Rachel Weisz did? Yeah. Who can do that? It's Um, so, like, just... One, like, it's, the rapport they have is so strong. And that's, and that's purely writing, which is why it's so funny to me that, um, that Yorgos didn't write this, but it also makes sense. But he also, like, I think Yorgos, like, the writing went so far, and then Yorgos really told a lot of this story through his cinematography. Agreed. Like, the different lenses he chose for different moments um, and the lighting um, that he chose for specific scenes told more about the story, like, even further um, right. than the script did. Like, if you if you just read the script but didn't see the movie, it you, you miss half of the story because mm-hmm. half of the story is Yorgos' cinematography. And, and Emma uh, and Rachel and Olivia's acting. Right. Right. Um, I just, I love it. I, there are so many, like, in contrast to your movie theater, there are so many hallways mm-hmm. in this movie. And the way that Yorgos films every hallway to me is there are no lines being spoken. He loves, it's just people walking through hallways. He loves and a I hallway. love it. He loves a hallway. He would hate hallway. your movie theater. He would. He's <laughs> like, there's one hallway here. I'm not down for this. So, my last favorite quote is when Abigail says, my good friend, how good to see you've returned from. And Lady Sarah says, hell, I'm sure you shall pass through it one day. Yes. Um, my, I think the quote that I have actually used in real life since seeing this movie multiple times is, as it turns out, I'm capable of much unpleasantness. That was good. <laughs> like, it's so good. Oh my goodness. I, I just, I love this movie. And I think that... Whatever, like, happens with the Oscars, um, and also, um, who, who, I, that was a weird way to say this. I, mm-hmm. okay. I love this movie. I think that it's definitely in the running for a lot of awards, um, at mm-hmm. the Oscars. Um, do you think that most people we know will watch this movie? No. Yeah, I agree. To be honest, no. I think my parents would probably hate it. Same. Um. Oh, same. <laughs> Mom, Dad, I know you listen to the podcast. I uh, do not watch The Favorite. Yeah, I'm not my, even asking you to. I'm telling you not to. My parents would not like it. Um, uh-huh. I think it's the most accessible Yorgos film, and I think it is a great piece of art, but mm-hmm. 
Saying it's the most accessible Yorgos film is like saying... I don't know. Like... <laughs> I try it's to come up with a metaphor. Much. Yeah. It's... I don't know. So I don't think that our parents will watch this movie. It's a weird thing to um, say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yorgos films are not accessible. That's the metaphor. Yeah, that's, it's... And this one's not. A lot of people are not going to like it. And that brings in the interesting debate of, like, on the Oscars when they give things like Best Picture, if Mm -hmm. a lot of people hate it, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Well, but I think that the most... and, And you and I are, like, super, like... Not to be like, we're different. But, like, you know, we are. We care about movies like this. Um, We we want movies that are better than Aquaman. You know? Like, we we want to award beautiful original scripts. We want to award movies that take risks. Um, And I don't think it's snobby or pretentious to just expect more from cinema. Like, the studios have so much money, they can use that money to just make good things like it's not i don't think too much to ask and i know that a lot goes into making a movie um which is why you will never hear us on cinema rolls um do like a worst of list or the worst movies of list um because it takes a lot to make a movie it really does and even the worst ones someone was passionate about it yeah um but we we don't award movies like this enough, I don't think. And I think we should celebrate original scripts and these movies that take a chance, even if for the wider audience, um, this will never be seen. And if they do happen upon it because they heard the hype about it, they decide to go see it. Some people will probably not understand this or not like this. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's definitely okay. Um, but I think that in terms of the Oscars and like other award shows, like awarding films like this, I think I think that we need to we need to award films like this because this shows the industry we want more films like this, and then they do become more accessible, and then they're more common than the million iterations of the Jungle Book right. that there are. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. So uh, let's talk. I just I don't know. Yeah, that was a good that was a good rant. I felt it. So let's talk our favorite Emma Stone moments. Just, yeah, we want to talk about our favorite Emma Stone moments in general. Because here on this podcast, we love a couple of things. We love Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love Twilight. And we love Emma Stone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those are the only three. There's no more room in my heart. <laughs> That's our brand. <laughs> Spider-Man, Twilight, and Emma Stone. So. Two of those things um, link up to each other, sort of. Yeah. 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 So, in, in that vein... Gwen Stacy is Spider-Man's true love. Don't at me. Oh, I agree. Are you, did you ever, like, not love MJ? Like, I really don't love her ever. Yeah. I don't like Kirsten Dunst. MJ was always super snobby to me. Yeah. Um, and super uppity, and, I don't know, man, Gwen Stacy, Gwen Stacy, like, MJ was romanticizing Spider-Man while Gwen Stacy is falling in love with Peter Parker. There, I said it. I, I seriously, I think that Gwen Stacy is his true love, and her dying is the true tragedy, man. Oh, like, <laughs> can we just okay? This this might even not make it into this podcast. I don't know, 
But something that I didn't realize until my third time viewing Spider-Man <laughs> into the Spider-Verse was when when Spider-Gwen starts falling backwards mm-hmm. um, and he, like, reaches out to catch her, he doesn't web her because, as you know, that's how she has died. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time she dies because she's falling and Spider-Man webs her and she whiplashes or she and hits her it, head yeah, or whatever. Yeah, snaps her neck um, or back. Yeah. And instead, in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, he reached out and grabbed her hand. That's awesome. He grabbed her hand so that she would just <laughs> I love that. We don't have to talk about this, but I mean, I might I might leave it in because, you know, Spider-Man, but I'd probably take it out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, she... Gwen Stacy is Spider-Man's one true love. She does an awesome job as Gwen Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man. I know people don't like those movies, but I do. And... Um, I, I love their she story. She was the best part of them, for sure. Yeah. The only time I've ever liked MJ is when she's bratty, scruffy uh, Zendaya. That's it. I was about to say, I think Zendaya's portrayal of MJ is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't love any of the MJs I've seen so far. Not at all. Um, yeah. But Gwen Stacy, yes. Gwen Stacy's great. And, like... I agree with you. Say what you will about the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah, they're not great, but Emma Stone is great in them. Yes. Um, Speaking of Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man, love any Andrew Garfield moment. Um, I love them. Yeah. (laughs) I love them so much. And I know that they are no longer in a relationship, but when they were, uh, they were so beautiful together. Um, so when she and Andrew Garfield were dating, there were multiple instances in which, uh, they were getting followed by paparazzi as Mm -hmm. it happens. And every time that they got followed by paparazzi, they would hold up pieces of paper saying, Hey, we just found out, um, that there are a ton of paparazzi outside of our, you know, Mm -hmm. our restaurant or outside of the place where we would like to just hang out or whatever. Um, while you're here... Please donate to these uh, really yeah. great charity organizations. Here's a website. Uh, here's what this charity stands for. Um, thank you. Goodbye. Like, like who? Your faves could never. Oh, my like, gosh. That's such a wonderful thing. That's and some then, cinnamon rolls right there. Ugh. And every single time, even after their breakup, that he is asked about her, he just is always so impressed by her Mm -hmm. and he loves her so much like he is her biggest fan like to hear him talk about her in la la land is one of the most beautiful things that i've ever seen to hear him talk about her um just during the award season and and just the way that he is so amazed by how talented she is like yeah you should be she's great yeah this is why we're doing a whole segment on favorite emma so can you imagine us doing this segment on favorite Emma Stone moments and we just have like Andrew Garfield on the podcast and he just takes over and just talks for two hours of his favorite Emma Stone moments. That'd be amazing. I'd listen to that. So many. <laughs> I would too. I love them. I follow a Twitter stan account that just uh, gives you updates on, on them because, you know, they're in the same rooms a lot and they always find each other and they always, they always want to talk to each other and That's they so always cute. want to build each other up and I love it so much oh speaking of la la land Mm -hmm. as an emma stone moment i hate la la land she's the only good part all the scenes where it's just her Uh uh-huh great (laughs) i 
did like La La Land. Um, I I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, you and I have very different opinions mm-hmm. when it comes to movies like La La Land. Um, and there is a pattern in that. <laughs> there is such a pattern in you hating movies like La La Land and uh, A Star is Born and uh, The Greatest Showman, which I also didn't, you know, like love. Like, I hate that I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what one of those things. But we have such different... One of these days, we'll just do an entire podcast of our opposite opinions. Yeah. <laughs> I dig that so idea. You, you know, if you want that idea, let us know. Um, so... Speaking of La La Land, her singing The Fools Who Dream. Oh, yeah. Oh, Great scene. Beautiful. A beautiful moment. She's great. She's great in that. She is. Absolutely. I think that, um, I think that no matter you know what anyone thinks about La La Land, they can't deny. Emma Stone's performance is incredible. Agreed. Incredible. Um, I, I just love her eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite Emma Stone moments. It's just her eyeballs and any mention of them. Um, I love in, I can't ever remember which movie it is. It's either No Strings Attached or Friends with Benefits, but aren't they the same movie? It's not Friends with, wait, <laughs> I think it is Friends with Benefits. One of them has Mila Kunis and the other one has... Uh, Natalie Portman. Ash- no. No, they're in this, no, they're not. Nat- it's Natalie, it's Justin Timberlake. And, and Mila Kunis. Kunis. Natalie Portman, uh, Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. And then I can't, and I couldn't tell you which movie is which. Um, no but... strings attached is Natalie Portman. Great. I feel like they're the same thing. <laughs> they are, and they came um, out like the same they, year. It's weird. I know, that was weird. In one of the scenes in one of those movies, there is a moment where Emma Stone is getting broken up with mm-hmm. um, by Andy Samberg, of all people, <laughs> one of my favorite human beings in the world. That's hilarious. Um, and he's breaking up with her because her eyes are too big. <laughs> He's just like, your eyes are really big and they really freak me out. And then remember when she was in Birdman and they CGI'd her eyeballs to be bigger? Uh, how could I forget? What a weird thing to do. I feel like most actresses have this thing of like, oh, they CGI or they, they Photoshop me to be skinnier. Yeah. Like, they like Photoshop this blemish out. No. No, they want your big like, eyes. They, uh, they uh, made my eyes even bigger. I love that movie. Um, Big eyes. She delivers a monologue in that movie toward the end that Mm -hmm. is nuts. It's so good. Oh, my Um, goodness. She's very good in Burn Man. Um, Yes. The movie itself, I personally uh, didn't love. I love it. I know. <laughs> Once again, all right, this will go in the list. Yeah. Um, I, I very much exactly what you said. You're like, I didn't like La La Land, but I loved Emma Stone. I'm like, I didn't like Birdman, but I loved Emma Stone. She's the best. <laughs> She's the common denominator in all the movies we hate, but the thing that we love. <laughs> so I'm going to roll it way back to the beginning of her Let's filmography. Go. Let's Two go. comedies, or three comedies, that Emma okay. Stone was in that yes, kicked the so much butt. Easy A. Super yes. bad. Yes. And Zombieland. Yes, yes, yes. She Zombieland is one of my favorite movies ever. Zombieland was the first rated R movie I ever saw. Whoa. Yeah. And it is hysterical. It's the best thing oh. Jesse Eisenberg ever did. He never got better. I think it was his first movie, probably. Never got better. Uh yeah. Should we talk about favorite Jesse moments? <laughs> No, there's not many. I have so many. I have so many. The Social Network is one of my favorite movies. I disagree. Oh, goodness. We all have the disagreements today. 
Oh, we are. It's Mercury and Gatorade. It started with it started with boy erased, and it just kept going. <laughs> but we can agree on Emma Stone, so it's fine. Yeah. As long as you agree on Emma Stone, all other disagreements are okay. Yeah, so she is hysterical as Wichita in Zombieland, as Jules in Superbad, and um, as Olive in Easy A. Yes. Um, Easy A is a masterpiece. Seriously, I'll fight anybody that says different. Oh, I agree. It's a classic of our generation. Like Totally. The, the people, like our great, great, great grandchildren will be like, let's throw on a classic. What about Easy A? Here's a common thread. Women are funny. Yes. They're funny. Right? She, right? she and Woody Harrelson are the two funniest parts of Zombieland. Yes. Um, super bad. I mean, she's got a pretty small part, but she's still hilarious. Uh, she's hilarious in anything. But Easy A, she freaking kills it the whole she, time. Yes. yes. Anyone else in that role would have been a disaster. Yeah. It would not have worked nearly as well. She's somehow, like, endearing, but also she's, like, funny, but also she's like, oh, I'm just, you know, wide-eyed Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. I'm hilarious. Like, it's yeah. so good. She was even funny in um, another movie that's one of my favorite Emma Stone moments, The Help. Yes. Um, I, I mean, uh, one of my favorite Emma Stone moments is the entire movie Crazy Stupid Love. Yes. Like, that movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. We talked about like, it last week. Yes. I, we did. I forgot about that entire episode just now. <laughs> you just, I guess you just reminded me we have a podcast. Oh, yeah. We're not just talking to each other. Yeah. Um, the entire time that she is on screen at any moment for a Crazy Stupid Love, I'm happy. Like, she's so funny. Yeah. She's so funny. And she's such a naturally funny actress. Like, she's yes. not trying to be funny. She just is. Um, and Crazy Stupid Love was her first movie with Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, they have done many a movie together. Um, they did La La Land. <laughs> Han Lozier approved La La Land. Um <laughs> They also It's did, uh, fine. It's not for me. Listen, um, I think... La La Land. When the depression hits <laughs> yeah. you mid-episode. It, yeah. Yeah, it's totally fine if you don't like La La Land. That's okay. Um, they also were in American Hustle together. Oh, yeah. Um, she and Ryan Gosling are best friends. Like, they are best friends. Um, the way that they are so excited to see each other on any red carpet ever is so incredible. Um, yes. And there's there's a literal moment where, like, Emma's walking through and Ryan is like, oh, it's my best friend Emma. And he, mm-hmm. like, runs to her and he's like, Emma. And she's like, Ryan. That's so <laughs> Just cute. love their friendship so much. Oh, yeah. Um, so, one, so great. So, like, my final favorite Emma Stone moment is during Ryan Gosling's SNL Um host yes this is like one of the funniest skits ever so ryan gosling is literally smoking a cigarette and playing jazz piano in Uh the studio of snl Uh talking about how he saved jazz with la la land (laughs) and it is one of the which is so self-aware let's be oh my gosh that's that's great and it's hilarious and emma stone (laughs) comes on stage and she's like hey ryan um and he's like hey i'm just telling people how i saved jazz and she's like well you know, you didn't save Jazz, really. You know that, right? And he's like, what do you mean? And and she, like, lights a cigarette. 
and, and pops it out and says, we save jazz. And then, it is so freaking funny. I cried. And I mean, like, yeah, I love them together. Mm-hmm. They, they're just so great together. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And that's, but the thing with Emma Stone is she's like really great alongside all of these other people, but she's so good on her own. Mm-hmm. Like if she did a one woman show, I would be down to watch that. Oh, just like in hours. La La Land. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd watch it. I would give it all of my money. I'd watch it too. If it was Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. It's Emma Stone. Not the character and all. <laughs> I I would watch anything that Emma Stone does. I just love her. Um, love her in the favorite. We stand. Love her in general. I just even before this, uh, just to like pregame to hype myself up, I literally just watched her and Rachel Vice talking about British slang on mm. YouTube, and it's so delightful. They're so wait, I forget delightful humans. Is she British in real life? Rachel, yes. No, Emma. Emma, no. No, she's American. Emma Emma was the only American on set of The Favorite. Every other person around her was full British. Hmm. Funny. <laughs> full British. Because she's played British um, people she before. Yes, yeah, she has. And she also has a very, like, she has very British humor. Yes. Um, it's very dry humor. Okay, so are we about to BuzzFeed quiz? Let's BuzzFeed quiz this. Um... What is our BuzzFeed quiz today? Our BuzzFeed quiz is plan a New Year's party in nine steps and we'll reveal your New Year's resolution. And I think we should do it from Abigail's perspective. (gasps) Yes. It might be difficult because it'll be a little anachronistic, but it'll be fine. We'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay. So, first question. Where is your party? At my house? At a friend's house? At a bar slash club? At a local brewery, at a hotel ballroom, or at the beach? Ooh, okay. So not at her house. She's got nothing. No. I'm saying either... Everything she has is what other people have given her. Either at a friend's house or at a local ballroom. Mm. Hmm. I think that she constantly cares about her appearance Mm -hmm. and how she presents herself. So I would say at a hotel ballroom. All right. Who are you inviting... Um, a couple friends, everyone that I know, my family, nobody, just my significant other. It's a public party. It's a public party. It is a public party. She wants everyone She's, like, to know. She's like sitting on everyone's laps at the end, being yes. a thought. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which food are you serving? Fancy appetizers, pretzels, mini tacos, chips and dip, just booze, burgers and fries. <laughs> She would serve all of those, I feel like. <laughs> Fancy appetizers, though, I think. She would, but I also see her being like, I brought some mini tacos up in here. Like, <laughs> in 18th century Britain. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's a taco? She's like, go with it. Yeah. Or, I mean, I, I literally see all of these. Like, I could see her bringing mini tacos into a party. She could be impressing people with fancy appetizers. But I also see her being like, just booze. That's it. My dog That's all is, we're doing tonight. My dog is barking. It's okay. It's fine. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with fancy appetizers because we can't pick yes. all. Or as this BuzzFeed quiz has spelt it, fancy appetizers. Appetizers. That's Arkansas. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? Wine. It's wine. I don't even have to read all it's, it. It's wine. <laughs> it's, it's wine. I've had some yes. very good wine. 
It's wine. <laughs> uh, what are you doing during the party? Playing drinking games, meeting new people, having fun, chatting with the guests, getting totally drunk, or watching TV? She's, mm. I would say either getting totally... I mean, she was literally getting totally drunk yeah. in all of the parties. Um, there's not an option here for, like, manipulating everything as to, to, to go my own way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's either getting totally drunk or... Having uh, fun, I think. Having fun? But is she having fun? Oh. <laughs> is she or is she having an existential crisis the entire time? <laughs> I say we go with uh, getting totally drunk, because that's yes, what she we did. we have proof. We have evidence. <laughs> okay. Um, who do you hang out with most during the night? My friends, my significant other, everyone. I'm too drunk to notice. My best friend, nobody. <laughs> oh no is she a drunk because <laughs> oh. every single time we've answered her like she's just drunk she's just her drinking. new year's resolution gonna be go to aa <laughs> her new year's she needs a lot of new year's resolutions let's say i don't know my significant other like doting on the queen mm. yeah i would go with that okay what do you do at midnight kiss someone celebrate with friends have a drink <laughs> It's midnight already. Cut the New Year's Eve cake. Not a thing. Uh, right. Do nothing. What is a New Year's Eve cake? I've never heard of that. Uh, she would kiss someone. Yeah. Anyone. Anyone. <laughs> Are you excited for the New Year? Yes, no, I really don't care. I don't think she cares. She does not care. She does not care. Do you make New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I make them and break them. No, never. Yes, always. I do some years. Meh, IDK. She should make New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I'm saying I make them and break them. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> oh, no. Okay. What are, what's our result? Your resolution should be to give back by volunteering for or donating to charity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, this is so funny. Okay, so basically. They just shaded they the crap out of her. They're saying, Abigail, your New Year's resolution should be to become more like the actress who plays you, Emma Stone. <laughs> your New Year's resolution should be court-ordered community service, probably. Yes. <laughs> your New Year's resolution should be just stop being who you are. Oh my gosh. As a person. Oh my goodness. That's a good one. Oh, that's so great. We will link right, that guys. BuzzFeed quiz in the show notes. Um, yes. Thank Tell you. us what your New Year's resolution yeah. should be. Thank you so much for listening. I want to remind you, uh, please like, subscribe. Um, you can do that rate on our podcast. Rate our podcast. Yeah. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts and that's how you're listening to us, um, if you love us, please give us five stars. If you don't like our podcast, don't rate us. Please. Um, that's fine. <laughs> we don't need your rating, but <laughs> yeah. if you would like to give us a rating and a review, that actually helps people um, to be able to find our podcast. And so <laughs> I just almost fell again. Um, that actually helps people to be able to, to find our podcast. So if you could do that, we would love you forever. And if you write a really weird um, review of our podcast, we will read it. Absolutely. We'll like, read it make us here. laugh, please. Reference some to weird, laugh. like, cinema rolls inside joke, um, and we will totally read your review on the podcast. Totally. Um, yeah, thank y'all so much for listening again. Um, I, 
I'm overwhelmed by the amount of people that have actually, like, downloaded and even listened. And it's not even that many. I'm just like, people are really... we've had... We've had over, like, 150 downloads total at this point. That's crazy. Um, I don't even think I know 150 people. I definitely Um, do I have, like, three friends. So this is very exciting. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. Um, Yeah, but thank you so much for listening. Um, We will talk to you next time. Yeah, tweet us at CinemaRollsPod on Twitter and send us emails at CinemaRollsPod at gmail.com. Email. It's the new snail mail. Yes, that is that is the, the slogan for all emails. Yeah, that's an ad major right there. Check me out. You did it. Way to go. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys. Hold on. We'll see you guys next year. Oh, we will, though. We'll talk to you guys next year. Wow, Dad Joe, coming in hot. You haven't even um, listened to us in a, it, this year? Wait. Never mind. It's fine. Yeah, so uh, speaking of New Year's, uh, just tell us what your uh, New Year's resolutions are. Um, tell us what movies you're super excited about in 2019. Um, Handler, what movie are you excited to see in 2019? Us! Okay. It's us! Uh, yes, 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 yes! <laughs> the whole, of the whole year, um, that's definitely the most anticipated. I'm already ready for it to be my favorite movie. Us, um, written and directed by the genius that is Jordan Peele. We are so excited. Uh, we watched the trailer and we tweeted about it at the same time and we both died. We both uh, died. So there's that. The end. Um, I am excited about How to Train Your Dragon 3. Ooh. <laughs> I am really excited. Um, I, I tend, I love like a good movie cry, mm-hmm. um, but for some reason no movies have ever made me cry as much as the How to Train Your Dragon movies. I weep like a baby every time. <laughs> and I'm so ready. I'm so ready for it to ruin my life again. Me too. Wow. So, Us, the beautiful film by Jordan Film, and How to Train Your Dragon, the final movie in that story. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> So excited. This Happy is, New Year's! This is a long outro. Happy New Year! Happy New Year's! I hope your New Year's resolution is to subscribe. That's a little bit of my rolls! <laughs> you said it first. I did, I'm sorry. No, that's uh. good.